Today's scripture reading comes from the letter to the church in Philippi, written by the Apostle Paul. We're just going to read two verses together this morning, starting in verse 10. If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn over there with me. If not, you'll find it in the Pew Bible on the page on the screen. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Paul writes, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is the reading of God's word. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come here on this Easter morning to celebrate one of the greatest events the world has ever known. The fact that your son Jesus could not be held back by death but has victory over death and is alive and standing next to you now, Father, and, and through him we have access to you through the Holy Spirit. So we pray that that same Holy Spirit would be ministering to us now through your word as you have ministered to us through song. Now that you would speak to us, we would hear you, and we would respond as you've called us to. All of this we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Didn't those who lead us in worship from special music all the way through do a fantastic job? We can give them a hand. Yeah. Really appreciate you guys and all the hard work you guys did and uh, prepare for today. And it is a beautiful day to be with you. And uh, I want to ask you a question and just by show of hands, okay? We're just going to do by show of hands. How many of you like to blow stuff up? All right. Hey, that's a good crowd. All right. I know what our next church fundraiser is going to be. We're, still, we're going to sell firecrackers. You know, I mean, every if you're like me when you're a kid, you know, you'd have a few opportunities that roll around during the year to, to really, you know, make an impact, right? You'd have Fourth of July and you'd have New Year's Eve, right? And those are the opportunities to get as many firecrackers as your family can afford and blow up as much stuff as you can possibly blow up without getting into trouble with the law, right? That's the whole goal of those two hours. And if you're like me, you know, you'd, you'd save some of that, right? You don't use it all on that day because everybody's expecting loud noises and explosions on, you know, 4th of July and New Year's. You got to save those up for when they're not expecting it because that's when you have the real fun, right? And so if you're like me, you would save up some firecrackers, maybe some really loud ones so that when mom's coming down the steps in the morning or whatever, you know, you can have just a little bit of fun. These are tips for your children is what I'm doing. I'm giving them tips today so you know how to have a really good time all year round and not just on those special holidays like New Year's Eve and Fourth of July. Well, the word dynamite might come to mind when we're talking about blowing stuff up. Maybe you know this already, but dynamite was actually invented by, uh, by Alfred Nobel. That might ring a bell in your ear. I didn't mean that pun. It just happened. I can't help it. You know, preachers make puns. It's, it just rolls off the tongue, right? But you may know this. He invented it as a way to help, help uh, use something explosive in a constructive way. Because up until then, all they really had that was truly explosive was nitroglycerin, and that's very unstable. And so he figured out a way to make dynamite, which is a stable version of that, because now you can do mining and you can create, you can, you can clear out land for roads. You can do all sorts of stuff that were, was really helpful. And of course, you know, then it became, well, we can also be very destructive with this power. And it went south and then he felt really bad. And so he gave all his money to, to really further things that would create peace in the world. And so maybe you've heard of the Nobel Peace Prize. Here's the point. 
is that the word dynamite, whether you realize it or not, actually we find it in the scriptures we just read. When we read here about the power of the resurrection, that word power is actually in Greek transliterated. The, the word in Greek that we use in English comes from the same place. Dynamite. It's the same word as power. The resurrection of Jesus has incredible power. Not just power, but power to do what? To change stuff, right? The power of dynamite to change the landscape, to make mining easier, and all those wonderful things it did, and even all the destructive force, was a power to change things. And when Jesus rose on Easter Sunday, it was the power of God at work to change stuff, to change the world as we know it. What the Apostle Paul is saying right here to us is that the power of Jesus, when he rose from the dead, when God rose him from the dead, when the Holy Spirit brought him back to life, that power exists in you and in me because we have the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. That is the power of the resurrection in our lives. And I don't know what it's like for you, but i got to be honest with you. There's, there's almost a never a day that goes by that I don't feel like there's some things that need to be changed in me. I need the power of God at work in me to change me. Because on my own, I can't do it. But if I have that dynamite, I could do it. I don't have the power to change myself. But with the power of God in my life, I can have the power to become the person God has called me to be. And if, and if many of you know that tension, you feel to want to be that person God's called you to be. To live the change you know God has called you to live out. And maybe you have tried and tried and tried to change in your own power. And I think the hope that we have from today's passage, just these few verses, is the power that you and I need to make the change that God has called us to make in our lives. It's not up to us. God has provided that power for us in the Holy Spirit, and we see it at work in the resurrection. So what we're talking about today is resurrection power. That is what we're talking about today, resurrection power. Paul says he wants to know the power of his resurrection. To participate in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I hope what you'll hear today is that the power of the resurrection resides in you if you're a Christian. And if not, it's accessible to you by faith in Christ so that you have the power within you from God to make the change that God has called you to make, to be the person God has called you to be, the person that you, in fact, I would almost guarantee, long to be. So what is resurrection? If we're going to talk about resurrection power, we have to talk about what resurrection is, right? And some may say that resurrection, quite simply, is coming back from the dead, but it's not. And in fact, you see in Scripture, people would come back from the dead. doesn't happen all the time, but it happened. Right? One of the most famous examples of that, of course, is the story of Lazarus. You may have heard that story before. Lazarus was one of Jesus' dearest friends on earth. And when he catches word that Lazarus dies, he eventually makes his way over to Lazarus' hometown and calls Lazarus out of the grave. That was not a resurrection. 
That was a resuscitation. He came back to life, but he would die again or else he'd still be here, right? There's something very specific the Bible means when it talks about resurrection. If we're going to understand how resurrection power implies to our life, we have to understand what resurrection is. Because resurrection is not simply coming back from the dead. And in fact, that happens now, right? People will die, and what will they do? They will use some kind of power to bring them back to life. They use the shocking things, or they stick them with something. You can tell I'm not a medical expert. But they got ways, right? They got ways to bring somebody back to life. But that's not resurrection. Resurrection in the Bible is very, something very specific, very unique. And in fact, it was so unique that it was shocking to those in Jesus' day that anyone would be resurrected in the middle of history. Resurrection, the Jews believed, those who believed in it, believed that's something that happens at the end of human history, where, G- where God will raise all the dead. But for it to happen in Jesus in the middle of history was just unthinkable. And for many, the idea altogether of coming back to life was just too, too hard to believe. So that's not something very unique to us today. We may find it hard to believe. It was hard for them to believe. Jesus' own disciples had a hard time believing that, in fact, Jesus did rise from the grave. But resurrection is something specific. It's not just it's not just having life again. It's not just having breath in your lungs again. It's not just coming back from the dead. Resurrection in Scripture means that when that life has passed away and it enters into a new realm of life, something has been transformed. You can read all about it in 1 Corinthians 15 if you'd like. But that life that died and rose again has now been transformed into something fit for glory, fit for heaven, fit for eternity. That's what resurrection is. It is to die and then rise to never die again. That's what resurrection is. That's what Jesus experienced. And by his resurrection, that is the hope that you and I have for an eternity. That one day when Christ returns, the Bible tells us Jesus will come back and he will set things right in this world. And one of the things he's going to do is when he comes back, all those who have died will be resurrected. They will, their soul will be put together back with their body, and their body will be fit for an eternity. That's resurrection. It's more than just breath in your lungs. It's transformation. It's change. It's to be set right for an eternity. It's to be made right, fit for heaven, fit for glory, fit for eternal life with God. That's the resurrection that Jesus underwent. And that's the resurrection that Paul's talking about here. It's not merely coming back to life. It's to be transformed. To be changed. And see, when we become Christians, if you're a Christian here today, you get a little taste of that here and now. Because see, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. And the Bible tells us it's the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, that brought Jesus back to life. So that resurrection power that God put on display on Easter Sunday... Through the work of the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit is in you and me. What does that mean? It means the power for us to be transformed and changed started the moment we believed in Jesus. And every day since then, we have had this dynamite inside of us. Whether we've lit the fuse and experienced the power or not, it's there. The power to change, the power to transform. It's there. Here's the tough news. 
When Paul says, I want to experience the resurrection of Jesus in my life, I want to experience the power to transform that was on display on Easter Sunday, he says something else. He says, and. There's more to it. Look at this with me. I want to know, verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And, say and with me. And. And. Here's where it gets a little tough. And, because all that sounds good and exciting, right? And, I mean, it, it, it's great news. But there's an and that can be challenging. And participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. In order to change, there will be loss. And loss is hard. Some of you have gone through an incredible amount of loss since pandemic began in the spring of last year. Maybe you're still suffering under that loss. Some of you are experiencing loss that has nothing to do with that. Other things happening in your life, happening in your world, that has brought suffering. See, here's what Paul knew. In order to be resurrection, there has to be death. In order for there to be a resurrection, there has to be a death. And what he is saying to us that is important for us to know is that if we want the resurrection power of Jesus at work in our lives, it means things, when they change, it's not going to be easy. When we're transformed, it means some old things that maybe we're comfortable with are left behind. I see, honestly, I see two categories of this suffering. There's suffering we choose and there's suffering we don't choose. The suffering we don't choose is, is the loss of someone important to us. The loss of a job, the loss of income, it's the hard loss that sometimes we go through and it brings us to a moment of suffering that can be at times unbearable. The loss of dreams or hopes that you may have can be very difficult. But to embrace that, to step into that suffering as Paul did, is the only way in which that death becomes life again. And not just life again, but transformed life. To go through that suffering with God so that you come out on the other side, not the same, but transformed. Better. That's what suffering can do when it's turned over to the Lord. And so I know many of you have gone through that kind of suffering. Suffering you did not choose. And yet here you are. What will you do with it? Submitted to the Lord, it becomes dynamite in your life that transforms in ways that a lack of suffering never would. And then there's the suffering of choosing. There's suffering that we go through that we don't choose. But then there's suffering that we go through that we have to choose. The suffering of crucifixion of the flesh. What that means is we have to choose to die to ourselves. And that is a kind of suffering and a loss. Because guess what? I kind of like being in control of my life. Sure, I make a mess of it, but at least I'm in control, right? There is loss when I give up that control. It's hard. It can feel like suffering to say no to yourself and say yes to the Lord. To say no to sin and say yes to righteousness. That can be a very challenging thing for us to do. To submit our entire will to the Lord can feel like suffering. Paul, Paul was he had gone through incredible suffering and he chose to be obedient to the Lord. 
to walk the path that God had called him on and to endure the suffering he endured. But he knew that he had to undergo suffering, whether he chose it or whether it just happened to him in the midst of just living life, that he had to undergo that because without that kind of suffering and death, there is no experience of the resurrection transformation power of God in our lives. They come together. And here's what he would, or what we can ultimately point to. So we know this is true because of Jesus himself. Jesus both chose suffering and underwent suffering in the midst of being obedient to the will of the Father in his life. He chose to leave heaven to come to earth. He chose to become a human being like us. He chose to be born into a family that would misunderstand him at times. He chose disciples that would abandon him in his moment of greatest need. He chose to love people who would not love him back. He chose to give his life for people who would misunderstand what he was doing. He chose to go to his own death. All the way through, Paul is pointing out to us, all the way through, Jesus suffered. Jesus on the cross on Good Friday, he is suffering. He even says words that I don't know about you, but I still wrestle with. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He went through all of that. And if our faith ends on Good Friday, it's not a good day. Good Friday is not a good Friday if it ends there. All it tells us is there was a guy who thought he was something, turns out he was nothing. It's in the resurrection three days later that point us to the fact that Jesus is who he said he is. When he rose from the dead, it's proving that death could not hold him back because he was, in fact, sinless. And that conquering of death he does on our behalf. Why? So that we might know the power of God and be transformed by him. There's an even bigger picture than that, believe it or not. Something even more important than that. And it's this. It's what Paul actually is talking about at the very beginning of these verses and the verses that precede it. He says all of that matters. The resurrection of Jesus, the suffering of Jesus, the power of transformation matters because if we want to know Jesus, that's what we have to go through. We have to go through the suffering and loss, experience the transformative power, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that was on display on Easter Sunday in our lives. Why? Not just so that we could be changed, not just so that we could be better people, but that the biggest change of all might be that we are connected to God, our Father, through Jesus, the Son. If you hear nothing else this morning, I can't say it enough, and it's so simple, but it's the, it's the bedrock truth. You are made to have a relationship with God. There is nothing more important in your life. There is nothing more important in your life than having a relationship with God. And Paul says, I want to know that God. It's not just about being transformed. It's not just about being changed. All that comes through the context of a relationship with this God who will carry me through suffering, who will bring me back on the other side with resurrection power 
All that happens in the context of a relationship with him. Listen to what he says. In verse 7, he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says in verse 8, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. If you're following along, you might underline that. Knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, he says, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then the very beginning of today's scripture, I want to know Christ. The message I find in this passage that I hope you'll hear this morning is not just a message of life transformation and change. That is an incredibly important message. And if you're like me, you long for it. You want to be transformed. You want to be changed. You want the power of the resurrection displayed in your life. You want to be able to pass through suffering so that death can become life. But the point of all of it, and in the midst of all of it, are these words of Paul when he says, I want to know Christ. There's a lot of things we can want. But do you want to know Christ? There are a lot of really super important things in this world. But do you want to know Christ? I can tell you that's why he came. So that you would know him. And, it would, and, and what we read just above, that you would be made right with God. Because of your faith in him. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he rose. That you might know him. It is the most important thing in any human being's life. Because it's the very reason in which God made you and me. It is to know him. And sin has separated us from God. But Christ has brought us back together. Do you want to know him? And the answer from Scripture is, is if you do, the way to know him is to trust that he lived a perfect life on your behalf so that when you believe in him, you get his record before God. God will look at you and he will see the perfect moral record of Jesus. It's to believe and trust that when Jesus died, he died the death we should have died. He is taking on the sins of the world. He's taking on the punishment for those sins on the cross. He's doing it for us. And it is to believe that when he rose from the dead, he is giving us eternal hope here and now all the way through our eternal life with him. It's to believe and trust those things. He lived a perfect life on my behalf. He died a sacrificial death for me. And he rose to eternal glory that is now available to me. And if you believe and trust those things, if you want that more than anything else, then by simple faith, you have it. I want to pray and give us an opportunity to respond to the Lord. As I pray and give us an opportunity to respond, and Josh is going to come and play in just a moment, I just want this to be on your mind. Do I have a relationship with God? Like Paul, do I want this relationship with Jesus more than anything else? And if you do and you don't have it, that you might simply pray and ask God to forgive you, to make you right, 
and to adopt you into his family based on what Jesus has done for you. Maybe you've already done that. If you've already done that, you know the, the challenge of transformation, of changing, becoming more like Jesus. And I want to encourage you to take a moment as we pray during this time of invitation to just sit with the Lord and talk to him about that challenge, about what you're finding hard in your faith to live out. And consider what needs to die in your life so that God might transform it into an eternal life. That he might bring you not just from life to death, but from life to death to eternal life with him. What would that look like for you to pass through suffering with him by your side that God might use it to change you, to transform you? So those are things that I think we can pray for. And I want to pray for us now as we approach that opportunity to talk to the Lord. Would you pray with me?